Welcome back to the next step. This message that you're getting ready to listen to was prepared in a hurry when I had limited time to prepare for a worship service that was at Freeze Memorial Moravian Church on September 18th, 2022. So with limited time and um, some difficult texts from the lectionary, I decided to take a look at the lesser known text and the lesser known prophetic book of Amos. And this sermon didn't really have a title because it was prepared at the last minute and I didn't have time to update our church's bulletin or anything like that. So if I were to give it a title, I would call this one of a series. And the series would be called A Look in the Book, specifically discussing um, aspects of historical biblical literacy, which is an area that I think our North American churches are, are in dire crisis around and the, the idea of literacy. So listen for some history lesson, listen for a little bit of commentary on a little known book, and hopefully as you listen you'll find some inspiration from a rather rarely used text in sermons anyway. As always, thanks for listening, and um, I hope that you appreciate this message called A Look in the Book from the Book of Amos. Listen for the word of God as you hear this text from Amos chapter 8, verses 4 through 7. Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath, so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Let us pray. Lord of light, teach us your word of life, our Savior Jesus Christ, so that we may follow him. Amen. Have you ever been in a grocery store and seen a child that isn't yours misbehaving? Part of you wants to correct the misbehavior, and a much larger part of you knows that, at least in our culture, it's never a good idea to correct someone else's child, especially in the middle of the grocery store. Yet the behavior nags at you. This kid is screaming at the top of their lungs, throwing handfuls of Lucky Charms out of a ripped open box, bumping into everyone else's shopping cart as they push their parents' cart up and down the aisles of the store with wild abandon. Maybe the parents notice, maybe they don't, but either way, they are definitely not correcting this kid's behavior. Doesn't that just drive you nuts? Or what about when you're driving? Have you ever been in the car and seen another driver who's driving just really, really needs to be corrected? They're swerving in and out of traffic from one lane to another, speeding, refusing to let anyone merge into their lane. And all you can think about as you head down the freeway is how much that driver needs to be corrected. Maybe you even consider following them to their exit and pulling over behind them once they get off the interstate and having a good long talk with them about that behavior. In either scenario, we could probably all agree that correcting another's misbehavior is probably not a task we would be excited to undertake. We can probably all agree that it's not a great idea to correct the behavior of someone else, especially someone that we don't know. 
or more closely connected to the text this morning. Can you imagine for a moment the era of the American Civil War here in the South? How would you like to be a Northern abolitionist preacher going to the Deep South to preach against slavery in, oh, say, 1861? I think here again, we could probably all agree that that's not a great idea or an easy task and that it's difficult to correct and admonish the behavior of someone else. Yet that is exactly what the prophet Amos was called to do. We're going to talk just a little about the prophet Amos and his place in biblical history as we explore how God used this prophet to deliver messages to a foreign people in a foreign land. Amos was a prophet of the 8th century BCE. But let's back up a little and take a quick look at the timeline of the Old Testament overall. We've got the exodus from Egypt as sort of one bookend at the beginning of our timeline, and then the leadership of Joshua, who brought the people into the promised land, along with biblical judges who ruled the nation. And then there's a season of the United Kingdom of Israel and Judah that lasts for maybe a couple hundred years before those nations divided, just after King Solomon's death, into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And in there is the Babylonian captivity when King Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem and plundered the city. But also during that time of the divided kingdom, there are a lot of prophecies, including this one from the prophet Amos, along with Micah, Hosea, and Jonah, all prophets of this 8th century from 837 to 768 BCE or so. So for those of y'all who just glazed over at the history lesson, how about we put some story to that information? Once upon a time, Israel and Judah were united in a single kingdom. God warned them that there would be some problems with that arrangement, and sure enough, one day there came a contentious election when one group of people did not agree with who the appointed leader was determined to be. Sound familiar? That group of folks became so angry that they decided to divide off into their own country. And these two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, became their own nation with their own kings, their own prophets, their own capital city, and their own culture and cultural practices. Now, eventually, both kingdoms, Israel and Judah, would fall into captivity. But for now, it's enough to know that the division among the nation was a deeply and sharply felt wound throughout the entirety of the ancient world. It was as if two brothers had turned on each other, and the war which was subsequently fought and never truly settled would divide people from one another, causing a political and religious tsunami into which this prophet, Amos, steps. And poor Amos, he has a difficult job to do. So we have a divided kingdom, a nation split over who they thought their rulers should be, and there is anger and hurt and resentment and division. It's a story that has been repeated throughout history. It is indeed called a civil war, and that simply means a war within a single community. And this one, specifically, is fought over the succession of leadership, like similar wars in Korea, Egypt, the Ottoman Empire, tons of other places, and one particularly famous civil war that I bet you're all familiar with, especially if you live here in North Carolina. It's not a stretch for our imaginations to conceive of the prophet Amos being like an abolitionist preacher from the north coming down south during the Civil War and trying to relay God's messages. Like the person who corrects the naughty kid in the grocery store or explains turn signals to the bad driver on Highway 421, this guy was definitely not super popular. 
Now, the geography is reversed from American geography in that Amos was a prophet from the southern kingdom going north to relay God's messages. And we also know that Amos was an untrained, unprofessional prophet. He was not necessarily illiterate or impoverished, but we know from the opening of the book of Amos that he was not a member of a professional prophetic guild, not a member of the prophet's union, so to speak. In our language, he hadn't been to seminary, wasn't ordained, and wasn't working on the church's payroll. Now, with all that background information in mind, what kind of prophecies do you think Amos is delivering from God? The text we read today is a really good summary of the whole book and the message of the prophet Amos to the people of Israel, warnings against those who mistreat the needy and harm those in poverty. It can be summed up by the last sentence of the text. Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. You see, the division hurt God. The strife among the people hurt God. The refusal to live working for justice and living righteously hurt God. The refusal to set aside political differences and follow the leadership of one God under one faithful religious practice hurt God. The people of Israel had plenty of opportunities to follow other gods alongside Yahweh, most especially the God Baal, and that also hurt God. You see, the God of the Old Testament had simple rules written down over hundreds of years and drawn into every story and every tradition of the people. Love God, love neighbor, the end. And the Israelites, like all of us, really, really struggled with that. They tried to love God, but they found that they loved themselves more. And loving neighbor? Nearly impossible. Especially when the neighbors had a different idea of how to love God. Especially when the neighbors looked different especially when the neighbors were doing each other wrong. Yet I have found that all of the rules and regulations, the prophecies and admonitions, the stories and the parables and all of the beauty and magic that is wrapped up in the Old Testament writings can really be boiled down to this simple truth. Love God, love neighbor, the end. And the Israelites are really struggling with that. Just like the South was struggling with it during the American Civil War, and here comes an abolitionist preacher to proclaim the truth about how we are to treat each other. And as you can expect, he is not received well. Surely I will never forget any of their deeds, God says. I'm going to look at their practices, God says. I'm going to take a long look at their religious practices, at their houses of worship, and at their priorities. I'm going to watch their festivals. I'm going to see how they treat each other. Because here's the bottom line of the book of Amos. The thing that I think God wants us to hear from this text and from our brief look into this prophetic book. Amos is criticizing any practice that can drive a wedge between loving God and loving neighbor. Amos's message is similar to the teaching of our Savior, that loving God and loving neighbor go together. When God establishes a right relationship with us, God simultaneously demands that we turn to our neighbors and initiate a right relationship with them. And isn't that the point of biblical literacy, too? When we learn more about this library of texts known as the Bible, when we see ourselves in the stories and learn to love the magic and the history and the culture and the people of the Bible, when we practice biblical literacy to learn more about God, 
we continually see this call to love God and to love our neighbors. Let us take these lessons into the world. As much as it depends on us, let us initiate right relationships with our neighbors, even those who didn't vote for the same guy we did. After all, nothing is worth another civil war. Let's love God, and in loving God, look for how we can better love our neighbor. Let us make intentional choices not to trample on the needy or to bring to ruin the poor of the land. Let us choose to see the prophecies Amos spoke into his context as reminders for ours. When we learn more about the Bible, when we learn more about the message of the Bible, even the messages of minor prophets like Amos, and when we choose to practice those messages, we become better followers of Jesus and better people. Amen.